Hello, and welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name is Nivitza. And this is Adam. And we make a little podcast about politics and TV. It's called the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. As we announced at the beginning. Today, we're going to talk about politics. If you're new to the show, we generally pick one of those two topics, and then we get into like a really far-reaching conversation usually. Yeah, usually it ends up being about politics either way. Yeah, and we don't really have any specific format where that we fall like one day we one time we talk about politics, one time we talk about TV. It's just kind of whatever we're interested in. Our goal with the podcast is to have a conversation uh, and to encourage listeners to join into that conversation. Um, we really miss being able to shoot the shit with our friends the way we used to when we lived closer to them. And so um, we kind of created this as a way to find new people to shoot the shit with, even though we are isolated in Texas. <laughs> so uh, last week, let's say, uh, although, I mean, podcast exists outside of time, so <laughs> I don't know how you're going to know what that means. But I guess like what, June 16th or something like that, June 14th, there was a big... Um, fire in London, uh, and there was a council building there, which is like public housing, that uh, was burnt, and a lot of people lost their lives. And it's obviously like a real tragedy. Um, The end. That's our (laughs) podcast. Well, I'm just trying to... You're welcome. That's the news. Decide how to continue from there. Um, so, I don't know. Unfortunately, like, we have the internet. I mean, a lot of times it's fortunate, but also unfortunate. Because that makes people want to have hot Listen takes to podcasts. and oh, okay. um, try to, I don't know, defend their viewpoints even when they're completely yeah, indefensible. The, the internet, yeah, I don't know. The way the internet is makes it so that people want to have something new to say right away yeah but you're already being too nice to the author of this um, horrendous article okay so there was an article that this woman megan mccardle put out on bloomberg yeah now uh we wouldn't probably know that much about megan mccardle if it wasn't for trapo uh but i believe she generally writes for the federalist and is just um an idiot right winger. I don't know. I really don't know what to say about her, and I really don't care that much about her personal biography. But she did put out this article, uh, or opinion, as it were. It's both. <clears throat> yeah. In Bloomberg, uh, it's called Beware of Blaming Government for London Tower Fire. So I just kind of thought we could, it's not that long, so I kind of just wanted to do a close read with you. Okay. And just read yeah, the I article and... I'm, I haven't read it, so this will be... Right, and just talk about some of the shit that's going on. Okay, so the subheadline is, perhaps safety rules could have saved some residents. Perhaps. But at what cost to others' lives? There is always a trade-off. So other people would have died if there was more safety? Well... Is that her thesis? Let's see. Let's find out. Because I think safety is good for everybody. <laughs> Am I wrong? But at what cost? <laughs> okay. A few days ago, fire swept through Grenfell Tower in a large apartment building in London. It's non, not known yet what caused the fire, 
and we aren't conclusively sure how it spread so quickly, consuming the entire 24-story building. The reason she's saying it's not clear what caused this fire is obviously because people are saying, you know, England has been going through rounds of austerity. They're doing budget cuts to social programs, and that includes social housing. Right. So obviously the inference from this tragedy is like maybe they should be spending more on social housing. Yeah, and she's priming us here to... Slow down. Hold Slow on. Slow down. Nobody knows what caused exactly. this. Exactly. We need on to have an hand, investigation. That's a process. It takes time. By that time, you'll forget that this even happened. I love... Ar- and then we don't have to interrogate what's yeah. going on here. I love arguments that are like, oh, we don't know if that's true. But even if it is true, right, that's how you know you're like defending the indefensible, is that you're both saying, this may have never happened. And even if it did happen, I'll still defend it. Yeah. Nor is it known how many died in the fire. As of Friday, the count is at least 30. So let's keep that in mind. At least 30 people died in this fire. What we do know... Let's not rush to judgment and say we should have saved those lives. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. (laughs) What we do know is that there are ways to help control the spread of fire in apartment buildings, such as sprinkler systems. Well, that sounds good. This has the makings of a scandal for Prime Minister Theresa May's beleaguered government. Her immigration minister, Brandon Lewis, was formerly the housing minister. He declined to require developers to install sprinklers. The Independent quotes him as telling Parliament in 2014, We believe that it is the responsibility of the fire industry, rather than the government, to market fire sprinkler systems effectively and to encourage their wider installation. What? The cost of fitting a fire sprinkler system may affect house house building, something we want to encourage. So we must wait to see what impact that regulation has. What? I don't even understand the first part of that sentence. The second part, though, is clearly, uh, if we want everybody to have good housing, some people might not have... Well, okay, I'll read this for you one more time. We believe that it is the responsibility of the fire industry, rather than the government, to market fire sprinkler systems effectively and to encourage their wider installation. So let's okay. just stop right there. Is there a fire this is industry? a free market solution this guy's trying to pimp on out to you. I don't even understand, though, because let's say they marketed it more effectively. It's the job of companies that make sprinklers, fire alarms, carbon monoxide detectors, whatever, to market their products and price them aggressively, I would venture to say he believes, though he didn't say that specifically here, and competitively in such a way that it makes builders want to install them in buildings, which is absurd because, again, free market solutions Going here. Always cost less just to not. Exactly. Exactly. So the only way you're going to make sure that they are in buildings is to require them to be in buildings. And that is the job of the government because it's not about profit, it's about saving lives of the people who live in the government that you're in charge of. I disagree because I think literally the market can solve all problems. (laughs) Um, But this really is the. This to me is, this is why we have to talk about this article. I normally don't even give a shit what the right is doing, but we had to talk about this because this is, normally people are like, oh, slippery slope arguments aren't fair or whatever, 
But this really is. Yeah. This is the slippery slope. This is where that thinking leads you to. Yeah. Here we have an, a very unfortunate real-world example of how absolutely dangerous and disastrous these policies are. Yeah. This way of thinking, this idea that the market can solve everything. This is public housing, isn't it? Yes. So isn't it the government's job to maintain it? One would say so. She talks about that a little bit, but she basically dismisses it. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. But yeah, builders just build buildings, right? Yeah. Why should they be concerned about the life of the building? Their goal is just to get a building up there. If there were no building codes, they would just sling up whatever the fuck is easiest to build. Yeah, of course. That's why in countries where there are more lax governments, you have buildings that collapse sometimes. Yeah. Because who cares, you know? Yeah. Or you have buildings like we heard that when protesters throw potatoes in Macedonia, the the facade crumbles, yeah. right? Like because there is no regulation. No one said it has to be sturdy or last for whatever period of time or has to be a good use of government money. No, the just goal we is have just, to build something to say goal, we did something. The goal is just, you run a construction company. You're my cousin's husband. Here's some money. There you go. That's <laughs> yeah. it. So that's what happens when you have an ineffectual government that doesn't believe it. its job is to regulate business, industry, yeah. whatever. Okay. So... People who died in the Grenfell fire might be alive today if regulations had required simpler sprinkler systems. This does not play well for the Tories. Good but, analysis. So these people might be alive today, but not so fast. What does it mean politically for the electoral chances of the Tories? Who gives a shit 30 people died? But okay. But before we start hanging them in effigy, there are a couple of things we should consider. Let's be even-handed, guys. Slow down. Cool, headed, cool heads should prevail here. The first is that even if the regulation had passed and required existing developers to retrofit sprinklers into older buildings, Grenfell Tower may not have gotten a sprinkler system before the fire occurred. Regulations are not implemented. So, sorry, let's just stop there. Okay, Grenfell Tower may not have gotten a sprinkler system before the fire occurred. Yes, we cannot control time and <laughs> space and things that happen. Yeah, of course. Also, some of these people might have died in a horrific bus accident on their way home from work. You know, yes, people may still have died. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we don't do the most obvious thing we can do to protect people's lives because we control the things we can control like putting sprinklers in buildings to put out fires yeah, yeah. because we can't control other events. Also, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I mean, that is not an argument even. That's like if we passed a law that would cure cancer. It might not cure all the cancer in time. And also some people already died of cancer and it won't cure them. True. So what's the point of passing, <laughs> uh, of, you know, finding a cure for cancer? I'm surprised Some people have already died of cancer. I'm surprised this got published. Like, I know, it's so stupid. At least if it were on the Federalist, that's basically a blog. It's so also like, like their ideology. Yeah. I mean, Bloomberg, this is Bloomberg. I so. know, but they purport to be for smart people or something. Yeah. Um, Why should we have a national healthcare system? People have already died. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so the first thing is that even if regulation had passed and required existing developers to retrofit sprinklers into our buildings, Grenfell Tower might not have gotten a sprinkler system before the fire occurred. But then people would be like, thank God we already passed this legislation. 
Yeah, think I were doing something about this and more people won't die. We need to do something. Oh, we've already done something. Regulations are not implemented like instant coffee. Did you know that, Adam? That's okay. Megan McArdle's here to tell I you. Thought, I thought legislation came in powder form. <laughs> no, it's coming in K-cups now. There's been innovations. <laughs> uh, regulations are not implemented like instant coffee. They take time to formulate and further time for businesses to comply. No, they take as much time for businesses to apply as government tells them before they start finding them. That's true. There are easy ways to incentivize businesses to act quickly. Yeah, I've uh, worked, you know, like I was working for a sort of healthcare helper company and people didn't start implementing systems that were required by Obamacare until the last minute. Yeah. Because that's what you do. That's, yeah. that's Cause human then, nature. Yeah, because after that, there were penalties. So they're like, oh, okay, here we go. We're yeah. doing it now. Yeah, yeah, whenever you put... Anyway, so, okay. All the political will in the world cannot conjure up enough sprinkler systems and sprinkler system installers to instantly transform a nation's housing stock. Yes, magic does not exist in this world, and nothing happens instantaneously. Good, good points. Then why, yeah, so why even have government? Once we have Hogwarts, we can have government. Exactly, exactly. This, however, is only a quibble. Even if Grenfell Tower could not have been saved, there are surely other buildings where fires will soon occur that would benefit from sprinklers. Then why did you bother writing the last paragraph? Yeah, she's a terrible writer, is actually what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> she's doing this weird, like, two-step, where it's like, I think we've heard Will Minnicker talk about that before. About her writing style? Well, I, maybe he was talking about somebody else, but I, I, once he pointed it out, I realized, oh, I've definitely noticed this in, like, popular columnists writing and stuff before, where it's like, I'm gonna say this, but then I'm gonna backtrack, but that way I can have it both ways and move forward. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. It's like a little dance. This, however, is only a quib quibble. Even if Grenfell Tower could not have been saved, there are surely other buildings where fires will soon occur that would benefit from sprinklers. Okay, end of article. Must we wait for those deaths before we can say that his was a bad calculation? I don't know who his, he is. What is she talking about? Probably this. Probably this is a typo, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe... How people, I, the amount of typos I see because people are so desperate to get their hot take out as fast as possible. It's like, dude, it's Bloomberg News. You guys don't have an editor or someone who could like read through this? Yeah, it's not just Huffington Post. It's no, it's New not. York Times. Yeah. Okay, so in fact, she was saying, must we wait for those deaths before we can say that this was a bad calculation? And yeah, then those typos just stand. Nobody corrects that. <laughs> you, this article has been out for days. Yeah, well, no, but we should wait until we can establish that it was actually a bad calculation. No, we can establish that already. It's uh, 30 people died. We, we've yeah. got the oh, she know, said end of to, the equation. We have to wait and see what happens before we can tell if this was yeah, a bad Yeah, I guess until we can figure out what caused the fire. That's basically what she's been driving okay. at, right? That's why she's been telling us to cool down and not blame the government or these uh, people who didn't require us sprinklers is it but like okay a lack of sprinklers can't cause a fire <laughs> but sprinklers can stop a fire right but was it actually a bad calculation we'll have to wait and see yeah yeah okay it may sound heartless it does uh <laughs> it may sound heartless to discuss life-saving measures as a calculation but the fact is 
that we all make these sorts of calculations every day Ugh. about ourselves and about others. This is we bullshit. just don't like to admit we're doing it. Yes, absolute bullshit. Well, this is like one perspective on ethics as a philosophical discipline. Yeah. Know? Not all of us subscribe to utilitarianism. We don't all think like the single moral question is what's the best for most people. That's so, one particular, yeah. you know, approach to defining an ethics. I thought the Federalist was religious. Isn't she religious? Probably. That's not the way the Bible defines what's moral and ethical. God never says, like, before you make an action, try to tally up who will benefit and who will, you know, yeah. and subtract the amount of people that will, yeah. That's not traditionally the way moral is or um, ethics is undertaken. That's a very 20th century point of view. Consider the, well, here's her example, okay? Consider the speed at which many of you drove to work this morning. I'm sure you're all splendid, careful drivers. Uh, sorry, Megan, it's the weekend. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nonetheless, when a vehicle is being piloted at 50 or 60 miles an hour, the margin of error for avoiding an accident is pretty small. To drive a car even at five miles per hour is to accept a small risk of killing oneself um, and others. Okay, not at five. I know that's what I was thinking. It's like you don't like break someone's legs or something. She could have said thirty. Yeah. Also, you're at that, five, you can stop like pretty well as soon as you hit the brakes. The car can't even go five miles an hour unless you're already riding the brakes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, apparently she thinks she can kill someone at five miles. Maybe she has. You know. Maybe we just learned something. <laughs> To drive at 50 miles per hour is to accept a much higher risk of doing so. It's a calculation. Risk versus reward. See how simple it is? The reward is you get to work. <laughs> <laughs> you get to work early. <laughs> In the U.S., tens of thousands of people were killed in auto accidents last year. And she has a hyperlink to that. I just think that's hilarious. Yeah, we know. You know, this is not something you need to footnote yeah. or cite. I know people get killed in cars. This is accidents. why we need more public transportation. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And also, why fucking Ralph Nader had to fight auto manufacturers yeah. to get seatbelts put in. Yeah, that's a good point. She's that like, was regulation she was probably against, also. Safety regulation that saves lives. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, was she was probably race. like. Seven or eight, and I'm sure she was against it yeah. at that age. It's just funny because she's like using this car example about how dangerous driving is. It's like, yeah, but we made it more safe by adding regulations, know. <laughs> you know, yeah. that that were very easy to add at a at a small, but I would say quite reasonable cost to the manufacturers of cars. Yeah, and as a result, we do save more people's lives than we used to. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of an ex a different example of building manufacturers and sprinklers. <laughs> yeah, and there are other things we can do, like public transportation. You know, we of live in, we live in Texas, so that's why I'm so frustrated. I mentioned it twice because there's literally no. I, I literally when I was reading this, there was a different point where I was going to mention public transportation because it's really irritating. But we'll talk about it. So in the U.S., tens of thousands of people were killed in auto accidents last year. We could probably eliminate most of those deaths. If we simply made sure that no one ever piloted their personal vehicle above some prudent speed, say 25 miles per hour. Which never pilot your personal vehicle above a prudent speed. 
Oh, what kind of person? I mean, we can tell what kind of person this is. We're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Who writes like this? Okay, say 25 miles per hour, which would reduce both the likelihood of crashes occurring and the damage any crashes would do. Are you willing to make that trade-off? To avert 40,000 deaths a year, all you have to do is move closer to work, take public transportation, where available in parentheses, um, or move or spend a lot more time in the car. Move closer to work? Uh-huh. That's not a reasonable solution to this problem. Yeah, but she's saying, see, you're weighing the cost and you're deciding the risk is worth it because it's too expensive to move, right? Because not everyone can... Also, I don't know who can, like, move to, like, the downtown financial district yeah, or whatever. But... You cannot live in downtown Houston. Or D.C. I don't even think they have apartments in downtown Houston. Think about, like, where all of the government buildings are in D.C. It's dead on the weekends because there is no housing there. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> this is stupid. But anyway, that's right. And even point, if though. you moved closer, you'd still have to drive. Yeah. And not literally everybody could move closer. Of course. Yeah. Anyway. Also, well, maybe if we had, like, a you know, controlled command economy. Yeah. Then you can tell people where to live. A centrally planned economy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what she's advocating for. I'm not T- sure. Yeah. I'm not familiar with yeah. her point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Americans have made that simple choice. Nope. Not worth it. <laughs> Americans have made that simple choice. Nope. <laughs> we are manifestly not willing to exchange personal convenience for lower auto fatalities. Nor, as far as I'm aware, is anyone anywhere else. So she's not critical of this point of view because she's characterizing mm-hmm. it very critically. She's doing that thing that, like, all conservatives, but even, like, liberals do, that's just like, well, this is the way things are. You know, Nancy Pelosi, well, we're all capitalists. It's just the way it is. We can't yeah. question anything or imagine a better world. I actually love this article. I'm loving it so far. I kind of thought you would, which is why I wanted to read it to you. This was like, we have to do a close read, because I can't even just pick out some quotes. She's like, before you get mad about this public housing burning down, move closer to work. (laughs) Um, Okay, anyway. Uh, Government sets much higher speed limits. Speeds that are still quite deadly, exclamation point. And most drivers opt for even deadlier speeds. Every speeding driver knows at some level that what they're doing is dangerous. They simply care more about what the boss will say when they're late than they do about the increased risk of killing other people. (laughs) Now, wait, hold on. In parentheses, she says, pro tip. If you started late, just accept that you're going to get there late. Start so early that you drive five miles an hour (laughs) because there's still a slight risk you'll kill someone. Because you need to pilot your, what was it? Personal vehicle at a prudent speed. Prudently, yeah. Yeah. Um, They are so good with logic on the right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, I won't defend the folks. (laughs) (laughs) Is she she driving to work at like 25 miles per hour on the interstate? (laughs) Like three hours before she needs to get to work. Can you imagine? That is more dangerous. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like people who drive under the speed limit, you are not being cautious. You're actually more likely to create an accident of all the people who are trying to move around you and have to yeah. like switch over to lanes. No, baby, Vox literally has a Vox explainer about what you're saying. <laughs> and they do. Well, I've never felt like more of a libtard than I do now. <laughs> you're like, well, actually, yeah. <laughs> you drive slowly. Yeah. Okay, it's it more dangerous. Insane. There are some aspects of driving, and I know everyone gets obviously frustrated when they're driving. 
But it's just like, I just feel like, did anyone read the booklet? (laughs) How did other people get their driver's license? Now, I won't defend the folks who go 90 in a 50 mile per hour zone. But in less extreme cases, the broader calculation is probably correct. Auto accidents cost lives, but automobile transport has also saved a lot of lives by enabling the economic growth that has made us richer and healthier. How has that saved? How has it saved lives that you get to Starbucks on time? I don't know. How has it made us healthier to have more cars sitting in traffic jams on the road? Yeah. I think that's a little thing we call air pollution. (laughs) Anyway, how, I, how does it save lives that she gets to the office of the like internet website on time? <laughs> the hot take factor. The hot take factor. Slowing traffic down to a crawl would make a lot of that economic activity impossible, or at least unprofitable. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's worse than unprofitable. Very few people would like to lower a very personal risk of death by agreeing to live in the economic equivalent of 1900. Okay, yes, this is why we need government because like we need they can build more roads. So I mean, let's for we I agree public transportation will be the best option, but also building more roads and investing in infrastructure helps like get people to work on time and alleviate traffic jams without people having to crawl to work or you know, risk death because they're trying to, you know, speed. Yeah. Like, like because we need, they got caught in a traffic jam. You know what I mean? We like, need regulation because as individuals within this broader species, we can't, uh, we're like inclined to make short-term decisions instead of long-term decisions. Right. right. But That's also, what are you going to do? Like organize a movement of people in your community who drive 25 on the interstate? <laughs> That's not safe. I don't know. Yeah. The only way you could address the problem that she's using as an analogy is through regulation. Yeah, well... That's the, literally the only way you can change it. I know she's saying we don't, but, like... We could. If we wanted to, that's how we would do it. Yeah. And actually, we do. I mean, we have speed limits. Yeah. But she's saying, like, no speed limits, no worry. Maybe that would work. I don't know. Also, know. actually, it's not if we wanted to, we do it. It's if we could overcome the industry lobbyists that convince yeah, people that regulations are bad... We could do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like I'm sure industry lobbied, uh, whatever real estate developer industry lobbied to be like, no, we don't need to have sprinkler systems in the buildings. Yeah. When the cost is as personal, as glaring, as obvious, as restricting every car to a snail's pace, we can see that not all safety trade-offs are worth it. However, when the cost seems to be borne by someone else, we suddenly become safety absolutists. Wait. No price is too great to pay. I don't know. 30 people died, okay? I just is, I want to keep reminding people that. I think more, actually. I should look it up to see is, what the latest count is. Is she saying, like, when the cost of that gets paid by other people, we become overly concerned? Yeah. I guess when she says... That's said, very counterintuitive. Also, what is she saying? When the cost seems to be borne by someone else, by who? It's paid by taxpayers. But, no, the 30 people who died, right? No, 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 no. When the cost is as personal, as glaring, as obvious, as restricting every car to a snail's pace, we can see that not all safety trade-offs are worth it. So she's saying when it affects us, right. 
However, when the cause seems to be borne by someone else, we suddenly become safety okay. absolutists. When it's no born, price is too great to pay. By the rich, right? She's saying because I the thought, rich pay t the most taxes, we don't feel bad or okay. developers or Maybe. whatever, right? Maybe. When developers have to spend money to put sprinkler okay. systems in, we become safety absolutists because yeah. we're not the ones personally paying for it. That's probably. That's what she's saying because she's setting up this argument. I, I've read the article. <laughs> Unfortunately, others, other people's money, quote unquote, has a way of ultimately coming out of our own pockets. Ooh, Ooh I know. It costs more to build buildings than rents will rise. People will be forced to live in smaller spaces, perhaps no. farther away. No. So maybe we should just nationalize housing. What you talking about? <laughs> right? I mean, if the private market can't handle housing, building houses, and giving people housing that is big enough to accommodate their needs, their families, maybe we need a different solution for housing. We could live. Maybe we need more government housing. We could live in smaller spaces. In America, our we, spaces are like for sure, large. For sure. But also, we don't have to live like rats in tiny... Like, if you have a four-person family, you shouldn't have to live in like a studio apartment or something, right? Yeah. And like... In major cities, it's very difficult to really afford the space that is required for a four-person family. But on the flip side, that's where the jobs are. So you have to you have to live in London if you, especially if you're a lower-wage person, because then you have more opportunities for advancement, for jobs, for whatever. So I'm saying, like, I don't think people need to live in smaller and smaller spaces, right? Like, why? Why should we have to accept that? But if the free market doesn't have a solution because it's unprofitable, then nationalize that shit. Have the government build housing that is affordable for families, which, by the way, is what council housing is. But they've gotten rid of almost all of it in favor of private developers being able to create luxury housing in the centers of London. I know. Because the they, real... they don't give a shit about those low-income people yeah. that have to work for those rich people. And the real problem is that those private developers have too many laws they have to follow. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. everybody would be housed. Yeah, but that's Come what I'm on. saying. If it's unprofitable, sorry, you're a loser. Your company is a loser. Not yeah. every company has a right to exist. Yeah, poor people don't have a lot of money for housing. Yeah. So why would builders meet that demand that doesn't exist by building houses? Well, exactly. Except that, of course, the UK has pretty famously made it possible for outside investors to... Right. Bought, like basically shelter their money from taxes by yeah. buying invest investment housing and there are entire sky rises apparently that are completely empty because their own apartments owned by russian oligarchs and saudi princes yeah okay people will be forced to live in smaller spaces perhaps farther away some of them in fact may be forced to commute by automobile and then die in a car accident we don't see those costs in the way in the same way we see a fire victims. We will never know the name of the guy who was killed in a car accident because he had to live far away from work, because rents rose, because regulators required sprinkler systems. <laughs> that's a really large change. Want to, to kill myself. That yeah. sentence makes me want I just like ugh God. The idea that they require sprinkler systems. I don't understand how that's supposed to lead to people driving further from work. Either. Because if the cost of building a building is higher, then the developers who build that building will need to charge more for rent to recoup the cost. But so then poor people 
will have to move further away where rents are cheaper and they'll have to drive to work and then they'll die in car accidents and we won't know about that but see that's why Megan McArdle is smart because she knows that happens and you're just worried about people who die in a completely preventable fire <laughs> yeah but also people if the housing development were in a different place there'd be people who lived closer to work yeah, and also, this is, again, one of those stupid things, like, well, if we required sprinklers, maybe Grenfell would still have caught fire, and they wouldn't have gotten the sprinklers in time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so what? That doesn't really apply. Like, it doesn't actually matter, you know? This is like, oh, well, here's this one thing, but what about that other thing going on over there, you know? Uh, yeah. It's like, well, we have to focus on the things that are in front of us and that we are capable of controlling, and someone is going to live in these buildings that are being built. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So even if someone else moved further away because they couldn't afford it, someone lives here, Yeah. and this building is full of people, and as long as it's full of people... It should be safe. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know about the guy who drove to work and died. That's a different problem that we should also work to fix, but so what, you know? Well, I like the notion that, like... Oh, these bleeding heart libs want to make sure people don't die in building fires, but they don't realize people will still die in other ways. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, great. Um, but that distinction is not for public opinion, not for good policymaking. Good regulations would take into account the proximate and distant effects. Okay, so again, this is that two-step that we were talking about, you know, where it's like, then why even say that? It's just to distract us, you know, it's just to be like, what did you think about this? Did you look over there? Did you know something else is going on across the street? <laughs> also, she's making the argument that why base policies on the value that like we should value human lives? You know, we have to do the math. Yeah, and this is just. I guess she's just trying to like muddle. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah, back to the case at hand. Yeah, because we we veered wildly off course. Back to the case at hand. Maybe sprinkler systems should be required in multifamily dwellings. It's completely possible that the former housing minister made the wrong call, but his comment indicates he was thinking about the question in the right way, taking seriously the fact that safety regulations come at a cost, which may exceed their benefit. Such calculations have to be made no matter how horrified the tut tuttering after the, the fact. Or his statements make clear that he's, um, you know, an ideological conservative. I was going to say. Anything where the government is spending money is bad. Yeah, or that he's in the pocket of real estate developers. Yeah. I'm likely, sure they yeah. paid for his re-election campaign when he became the minister of housing. Yeah. Obviously. Like, please. And he is certainly right about one thing. When it comes to many regulations, it is best to leave such calculations of benefit and cost to the market rather than the government. Yes, I see how that makes a lot of sense after 30 people lost their lives when we tried this yeah. solution, this market-based <laughs> solution. Yeah. Yes, yeah. good argument. People can make their own assessments of the risks and the price they're willing to pay to allay them. Allay them. No, 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 no. Most people don't have the ability to, like, live wherever they want, and they choose from among multiple options the best possible one. Most people just live where they can. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, also, like, most people 
don't really have like the time or energy or interest to be making long like yeah. cost benefit analyses of all of this shit. What like, are you supposed to do? Like research the safety codes of the building you're in? Yeah. Even if we're talking enough? about different people who didn't need public housing, like just imagine a couple that's like, okay, we've saved money. We're going to go buy a house now. Does anyone make a rational? I mean, you do some rational calculations yeah. and you set some budget parameters for yourself about what kind of house you want to buy or whatever. But then if one of you or both of you fall in love with the house because it looks like the house you grew up in or whatever the fuck, no one makes a rational, only rational decision when it comes to buying a house, right? Yeah, yeah. You, people are willing to overlook major problems and buy houses because they fall in love. And, you know, the idea that we're all just these rational robot beings who are going to make cost-benefit analyses the only de decision-making factor yeah. in what kind of housing we end up with is just stupid. Also, to go back to the driving metaphor, like, you don't assume that you're going to get in an accident at 65 miles an hour. Yeah. In one of these closets somewhere in this house, there's, like... Um, some sort of information about the materials that are used in the building. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's there because of some government regulation. Yeah. But on the other hand, I don't know what to do with that information. Yeah. We live here because this is the best place we could live for us. Yeah. I'm not going to... I don't even know what to do with that info. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> sit down, do a bunch of research, figure out the costs and benefits. I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. And then compare it to the building materials of all other possible places you could live. Yeah. And if what, if there's like a 5% chance of fire instead of 3% chance, I'm supposed to let that factor, you know, influence my decision. Is there like a, is there like an algorithm I can put this into that will give me the perfect decision to make? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe some tech billionaire can disrupt our decision-making process. I just want to make sure there, there should just be laws to make sure wherever I live, like, it's reasonably safe. Yeah, of course. Is that unreasonable? Is that, like, a weird thing to expect I, from the government? Yeah, I don't, I don't think most people would assume that that's the case, you know? That they're just supposed to figure it out on their own. And, and, yeah. and then what is the government here for, by the way? To give tax cuts to these people on the top that are building um, developers? No, 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 to pay police. Oh, right, so they can protect the private property of yeah. the developers. Yeah. yeah. And the military, so we can expand it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need to expand markets, otherwise capitalists have nowhere to go. Okay, so people can make their own assessments of the risks and the price they're willing to pay to allay them, rather than substituting the judgment of some politician or bureaucrat who will not receive the benefit or pay the cost. No, I'm asking for their help. <laughs> I literally want their help. Also, that's like literally why we give them a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... That's their job. Their job is supposed to be to, like, look out for us in all kinds of issues and ways because we don't have time to because we have to go to work, you know? We have yeah, to go yeah. to our own jobs. We don't have time to sit around and learn about building codes and fire codes and, um, like, traffic light theories of what makes, uh, you know, how long a traffic light should be to be most safe right like yeah. we were like listening during the elections to some guy who was running for a local office and he was obsessed with like traffic and traffic flow and all that stuff yeah, and yeah. He, i don't think it was even his job he was just really interested and done a ton of research it affected his life based on where he moved yeah 
And he was the type of person, I guess, who sits down and does a cost-benefit analysis. And then that's why he decided to run for office, because he knows that most of us are not going to do that. When I heard him, I was like, yes, this is the type of person I want in office. Because I don't give a shit about that (laughs) stuff, but it affects my life. But I'm not going to ever sit down to think about, like... It's, How many traffic lights a city of this many people needs to have in order to function properly? Yeah, yeah. Before you move to a new city, research is traffic policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to me because the reputation of the Federalist is that they are, you know, more religious, obviously more libertarian than even mainstream conservatives. But it's amazing how much this syncs up with like a neoliberal Democrat point of view. Like we need well, to. Well, neoliberalism crosses. It's left so, and right. Yeah, and it just proves how conservative. It's really, yeah, is. yeah. It's really much more about the idea that like the market is the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> market yeah. solutions are the answer. But the idea that yeah, market solutions are the answer. Um, the that like every subject in a neoliberal society should take on all this research of <laughs> researching all wonks. the different. Everyone needs to become a wonk, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or the idea that we need to have like a utilitarian approach to regulations mm. that are passed. Like, every time we pass a regulation, we should um, gauge the cost on business of that regulation, you know? That's something conservatives push, but it's the exact same framework, uh, while she is conservative, or that neoliberal Democrats use. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Grenfell Tower, of course, was public housing, which changes the calculation somewhat. She's like, so she's like, up to this point, to understand my article, you have to understand I was ignoring the fact that it's public housing that's why when you mentioned this is public housing isn't the government responsible <laughs> for like the reg- the upkeep and stuff i was like yeah she mentions that <laughs> but her answer is like oh that changes the calculation somewhat we won't talk about how and yet even then trade-offs have to be made the government spends money on a great number of things many of which save lives every dollar it spends on installing sprinkler systems cannot be spent on the health service, or national defense, or pollution control. Would more lives be saved by those measures, or by sprinkler systems in public housing? It's hard to say. Smart people know we can't just get upset about every 30 people that die. We can't let that affect our <laughs> Smart people decisions. know that countries can't just print money. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is, like, absolutely the most frustrating part of this article to me, actually. I think it's demonstrably false. Yeah. You know? How much money have we spent in Afghanistan and Iraq? Are yeah. we safer? No. But, You're more likely to die in a house fire. Right. But also, these sprinkler systems are so cheap by comparison. Oh, uh, yeah? Yes. And they, I think it's, I read somewhere that it's, like, $5,000. For the building? Yeah. Oh, this, this I building... I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I read that. This building had, what, like 10 floors or more? Yeah, it had a lot. It's very tall. It's so more than 10 like floors, I think. $50 a floor. Yeah, no, it's nothing. It's like literally nothing, which is why it's really fucking frustrating to even... That she even mentions this, you know? Yeah, and yeah. also, to me, it's like, okay, fine, but... Do you want to live in Victorian England? Isn't that like the last time that people were like dying because of preventable fires? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like because there was like no regulation. It was like around the same time that childrens were forced to like I don't know sell matchsticks on the street to eat or whatever. Yeah. Like, and they were jailing debtors. <laughs> it was a glorious period. Yeah, it's like what are you talking about? Like, you also, 
I think this shows you have to err on the side of caution too. Like, you need to spend a little bit more than even you think is the bare minimum because. Well, yeah, that's the reason free market solutions don't work, right? Yeah. Because they're like, okay, the cheapest solution wins the contract. Yeah. Yeah, but a cheap solution is a shitty solution, yeah. like, and, and an unsafe solution. In this building, they had you know quote unquote fire doors, so. I guess like a week or two before the fire, fire inspectors came around and talked to a lot of people who lived there and told them what to do in case of a fire. And they said, stay put. Yeah. Because you have a fire door. Yeah. So just don't open the door. So people didn't leave the building and they got trapped there and they died. But that was the bare minimum solution. Oh, we'll put fire doors. We don't need sprinklers. They have fire doors. Okay, but what if the whole fucking building catches on fire? I know. The door is just one... Well, now you know, you're just trapped. It's like being in a four. panic room. It's like now you're just trapped, Ten though, you know? Yeah. The, the <laughs> fire door is just what? Like an 8 by 4 yeah. uh, rectangle. Yeah. It's not going to protect you from the building burning. It's, and then you got to remember. such a stupid argument. I, at least right after the incident, because I haven't really read about it since then, but people were saying, like, it took the fire department an hour to show up. They yeah. didn't have all the equipment they needed. Yeah. Obviously, like, the policy of austerity and bare minimum is like not cutting it exactly yeah you know i guess that's the other underlying assumption here that's what it was that really frustrates me that i was having trouble identifying a minute ago is this idea that we have limited resources there's just no way for the government to raise more money right yeah yes there is yeah tax rich people you guys have lords and shit you know Fucking tax those motherfuckers. Are you kidding me? Or, there are plenty of ways. The corporations that they have, all those stupid, um, what we were talking about, the like Saudi princes and Russian oligarchs, they don't pay tax on the buildings, the, right. the, the apartments that they buy in those empty sky rises. That's why you hide. It's tax shelter. <clears throat> Make those bitches pay. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? This idea, like, well, there's just not enough money. It's either healthcare or sprinkler systems. No, we can have both, and we should have both. Yeah. And of, and the only reason that they decided that they didn't need both is because healthcare affects everyone, including rich people in the UK. Mm. And sprinkler systems in these buildings were only for, for poor, poor people. people. Yeah. And they decided that poor people cost-benefit analysis. Is it worth it? No. Yeah. That's another reason why Democrats in the U.S. have to stop just advocating for programs for poor people and advocate for universal programs. Yes, but also, again, it's the, I hate, like, Democrats fall so much for this, too, in the U.S., where it's like, well, we've just got to make priorities and we can either have... We have to make the tough decisions. Yeah. That's like the name of every biography of at least a female politician. Yeah, but the unspoken underlying assumption there is because we can't tax the rich anymore because there are donors, right? Yeah. And they'll be mad at us and they won't give us money anymore. And then I'm afraid that I won't get to sit in my seat and people won't call me Madam Secretary or whatever the fuck, you know? Like... Please, like, get real. You can raise more money. Besides the government being able to print its own money, there's a very easy solution. There's a lot of money in the UK. You can also print money, like you were saying, but rich people don't like that either because it causes inflation. And it makes their money less value, or that's what they think. Well, because, yeah, you're sitting on $50 billion, but the money supply increases, so now you have a smaller proportion of the money. Yeah. So they don't want you printing money because it affects them a little bit. Uh, Spend a little more when it comes to people's fucking lives. Yeah, exactly. When it comes 
to prove. I'm telling you, what is this, Victorian England? Preventable fire sprinklers. Are sprinklers not the most basic safety regulation you can imagine in a building where families live? In a skyrise, a tall ass building. Oh, also, there's only one staircase in the whole building. What? Yeah. Jesus. That's not in this article. She didn't mention that. But they could do with a few more staircases and fire escapes, I bet. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah, very scary. Yeah. Um, okay, sorry. I like can feel my heart racing, but it's so upsetting to me to imagine that people think like, oh, it's, it's disgusting. Like It literally yeah. makes me feel ill to think that they were just like, uh, cost-benefit analysis, poor people, eh, they, they don't matter. Yeah, what if 30 fucking rich people died on a... I don't know, where do 30 rich people get together? Davos. Yeah. <laughs> Some stupid shit like that. Or like if Barney's caught fire. Yeah. 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 Okay, anyway. <laughs> so she closes with this. It's possible that by allowing large residential buildings to operate without sprinkler systems, the British government has prevented untold thousands of people from being driven into homelessness by higher housing costs. Here's a thought. How about we don't allow anyone to be homeless? Yeah. There's lots of ways to address that, sol- that problem, but the- okay. How about we limit the amount you can charge for housing? Yeah. How about we have rent control? Yeah. Or build more public housing. The only... No, yeah, well, the only solution that's acceptable to people like this including democrats is subsidizing builders yeah i know which is yeah and then to sell it on their own it's also possible that a sprinkler system would not have saved lives in grenfell in the grenfell inferno as the fire apparently spread outside of the building as well as within (laughs) do you think it started outside no, it's, uh, they say it started with a refrigerator in one of the lower floors. Okay. It uh, backfire. Like, back, like, it's, yeah, it's no one's actual, no actual like person's fault. Mm. But I know a lot of the way that she talks about this, it's almost like she's saying, like, she's condemning these people, yeah. you know? Well, that's the way it was with the ghost ship fire in uh, Oakland, yeah. is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's these own people. It's their fault. Yeah. Because they have this DIY space. Yeah. Hold these possibilities in mind before condemning those who chose to spend government resources on other priorities. Regular, regulatory decisions are never without costs, and sometimes their benefits are invisible. Well, if their benefits are invisible, <laughs> maybe they don't exist at all. Or maybe they're being hoarded away by elites in places yeah. of, you know, beyond uh, our eyes. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that lays bare that hers is a completely ideological project because earlier she was like, well, we have to weigh all the costs and benefits. Yeah. And now she's like, some of the benefits are invisible. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what they are. Yeah, so you can't weigh them because you yeah. can't see them and you can't, you can't feel them. them. Yeah. yeah. You just have to take it on faith. Yeah. That you cut taxes, give the money to rich people, everything's better. Yeah. So I think we can wrap it up there for this episode. This angry episode. Yeah. Honestly, like, Megan McArdle is a disgusting piece of shit. And a shameful excuse for a human being. I mean, honestly, I don't know how... Okay, you hold these ideas in your head. Maybe you share them at Federalist parties when you get a little drunk with your friends. But by God, to go outside of the Federalist to propagate these ideas is really just astonishing. I know, to bear your shame in public like this. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to note that uh, this column ends with, in gray, italicized text... 
This column does not necessarily reflect the opinion of the editorial board or Bloomberg LP and its owners. Right. And I just, I just love that. I don't know. It's just so funny to me because it's like, we want to have it both ways. We yeah. want to like totally spew this bile, you know, and then at the same time, uh, we're very good people who, you know, just allow other voices to be heard. Like I'd like to assume they just did it for the clicks, but I'm positive <laughs> they want people to believe this show. No, they definitely. Especially, like, this is coming out right after Jeremy Corbyn's, like, right. incredible victory, right? Yeah. So I don't, I can't imagine that that didn't factor in to yeah, the decision yeah. to print this article. You know what that reminds me of, uh... I don't know what interview or we heard. Publish this article. I don't know if they printed it. It's online. What interview we heard where people were talking about neoliberalism and it was that guy that was talking about like the ideology of neoliberalism, I think on This Is Hell. Yeah, I think so. Okay, anyway. He was saying like we assume that neoliberalism is about deregulation, but it's about re regulation. Yeah. Yeah. It's about uh, so it's not with Corbin winning, they feel the need to defend austerity policies. But why would they do that? except because it benefits like the rich people that create and read Bloomberg. And I think they can also feel that a lot of the the sand has been wiped from people's eyes or what you know what I mean people are waking mm, up the scales like, have fallen off their eyes yeah. Yeah, like um people are really disenchanted with neoliberalism and becoming very aware of it and realizing like when they look back at the last, you know, I'd say 40 years but you know maybe more even it's not working and everyone kind of knows what it is now or a lot of more people do than they used to and i think they're feeling their power and their agenda slipping away yeah and so you've got to protect that shit you know yeah yeah if they weren't if it wasn't that organizing society in this way specifically benefited them they wouldn't feel the need to defend it yeah they try to argue that it's impartial this is just better because and market solutions are more efficient we get government out of the way because it's sclerotic and it is obstructionist. But when they can't argue that, they just argue like, this is the way it is. This yeah. is the way it's always been. Yeah. We're capitalists. We can't question that. But both of those um, arguments are a fig leaf over their erection for just like the ability to make money. And this just absolutely absurd and terrifying notion that the market is the solution for everything. It's the best way to organize yeah like resources and power and people yeah and if that were true they wouldn't be so interested in it you wouldn't have rich people and uh you know rich public um, publications that represent business defending that point of view if it truly was just better and more efficient yeah they defend that point of view because it benefits them yeah and also because you constantly have to defend and reinforce it in order to like keep it strong and keep oh, people yeah. believing because it's it ridiculous. because yeah and it falls apart upon interrogation like instantly it's like yeah. you know a shirt from h&m it's like, <laughs> it looks good and then you wear it a couple times look closely at it and it's like already yeah. got holes i mean in this it's article apart, the know? argument is literally don't be so concerned about these 30 people who died yeah how, how yeah how, yeah as soon as as soon as you read the headline you know this is going to be some bullshit dude my colorist was telling me that I, I I couldn't read. After we like got read the initial stuff about this fire, I just couldn't read anymore about it because 
It's too sad. So sad. But she's, she told me a story that, like, literally gave me goosebumps, even though I was sitting under, like, 13 layers of polyester salon robes. Right. Um, so she told me that apparently some woman was so desperate that she wrapped up her baby, just bundled it up as best as she could, and yelled down to the crowd and threw it down, and some guy caught it. Whoa. Or t- not threw it down, like, I guess tossed it and some guy caught it and so this baby has Holy survived well, but i don't of... know if the mother survived or not she didn't know either yeah i mean that's kind of that's where it makes me feel good oh i mean yeah but it's no. also terrifying can you imagine being in a position where you have a baby and the best solution you can think of is to throw it out the window yeah well maybe the reason it makes me feel good is because i read much sadder stories about this yeah fire, but yeah no i will too. refrain from sharing them with yeah, you. yeah please please i'm like already about to cry so. yeah. <laughs> uh anyway i guess that's a great place to wrap <laughs> so yeah so this has been cold pizza party and if you're not too depressed you can like us on facebook uh follow us on twitter at cold pizza party on both of those places we really appreciate folks who write very nice reviews on itunes where you can also find us cold pizza party mm-hmm. and you can find us on soundcloud cold pizza party and we really really like when people interact with us so please feel free to do that i think the facebook group is probably the best place to do that but um i'd also be happy to interact with you on twitter okay that's it look at how pro we are anyway whatever making noodles yeah yeah sorry about the background noises but we don't know as pro right but as pros we are we also like you know have to do other things sometimes like make homemade noodles and then stuff our faces with them so it's not normal that we have this much background noise, but that's all. Yeah, we recorded another podcast earlier today, so we just kind of had to start making food while we were recording this one, <laughs> otherwise we'd, like, die. <laughs> okay, goodbye.